Zach Abrams about to join us from Bulwark Capital Management. I want to talk with him today about a lot of things, but I, I want to really touch on what we can control in our finances in a rigged system. Uh, uh, did, did I say it was rigged? Oh, come on now. How would they rig it? SEPI, uh, or the Center for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation. It was in 2017 formed by the World Economic Forum and the Gates Foundation. It uh, produced a business plan. The business plan uh, said that the next pandemic will be a business opportunity. Yeah, this is Dr. Peter McCullough with the Epic Times. But I mean, that's just that's just health. That's just this is just Canada's finance minister. You don't have uh, an absolute right to own private property uh, in Canada. Um, it is uh, there are uh, there are steps that are taken when expropriations happen at, at whatever level of government. Indeed. So what can we control during a rigged financial system? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. This is a program where we do our very best to put God at the center of things, where the Lord belongs, conservative politics at the edges. That is to not make an icon out of politics, but in fact, to take the word of God into the political realm, because in my judgment, that's really the only way we have the consolation prize of saving America. The main prize, of course, being eternity with the Lord. Uh, our friends at American Financing, AmericanFinancing.net, uh, been our partner of the week all week. And what a time for that. Absolutely, one of the things you can control is the money that you spend. And if you could drop your spending by a thousand bucks a month, what would that mean for you across 10 years or 20 years? And then if you invest that money, uh, it could mean the difference between retiring or not retiring. Or given what's happening with gas prices, et cetera, being able to drive or not drive, they're at AmericanFinancing.net. Zach Abraham, my brother, Chief Investment Officer, Bulwark Capital Management, joins us on the Todd Herman Show. Good morning, brother. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Always good to be here. So we're going to talk today. I want to touch on things we can control, right? Um, and in a rigged economy. Uh, and, and you are very, very good at this. And uh, there's a couple things we can control in part of Luke 12, 25 through 31. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Um, the other is this. Uh, it's, it's from Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And it tells us when you fast, do not look somber as the, somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. Um, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, the second one, I think some, some explanation, you know, I, I think we can control that we continue to give. We continue to um, help the least of these. We continue to tithe to our churches. And the other is just not worrying. So um, I think that's a that's that's my start on my side. But I don't know finances. You do so solve everything for us, Zach. What else can we control? 
<laughs> let me bust out my let me bust out my booklet here. Yeah. Uh, give you give you the ten the ten rules to living a problem free successful life. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, what's funny, uh, and people that probably listen to our show sit there. I know our employees do. They go, Zach. Not everything is risk management, right? Um, but but I do think that that I, it's always intrigued me, Todd. I think you and I have talked about this before. How God's laws really line up with the laws of intelligent investing. Uh, they, they, there's nothing about them that conflict. Um, and I, I am such a fan. I tell my kids this all the time. And I tell my employees this all the time. Worrying is the biggest waste of time. It is the biggest waste of time. And if you are worrying, it's because you're, you, you, you're, you're stuck in a state of inaction. Right. Um, period. That's just what it is. And it's also, you know, in the Bible, Jesus talks about cast your worries upon me. Right. Um, I think that we, I think we'd be good to take the Bible literally a lot of times cast your worries on me. Why? Because when you are worried, a, you're not trusting me and B you're not looking at the things that you can control, right? Like your effort, your input, you know, reducing your level of spending, not staying, staying out of debt. There's these just simple things, right? That, that, uh, that we spend time worrying about. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't take any action. So, so first and foremost, I think a perfect example of that is risk management. I was sitting down with a client yesterday and I said, what is it that you're afraid of? And he goes, you know, taking a big catastrophic loss that, that, that ruins my, you know, that ruins my retirement. And I said, okay, so the way that we've got you set up and I go, how would you define a catastrophic loss? You know, 40, 50%. And he goes, yeah. And I go, okay, well, your portfolio can't lose that much. Just, right, it's just that simple. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that people have, and when I say it can't lose that much, I'm not saying that we don't think it can lose that much. Nothing could, meaning that there are absolute things that you can control, right? There's, there's risk levels that you can control and there's ways that you can set up portfolios. I tell our clients all the time, uh, setting up a portfolio where we guarantee you can never lose more than 5%, that's easy. The trick is getting that portfolio to make money. Right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's, that's the trick. Um, and so I, you know, in terms of the things we can control, that's why I tell people, you know, and I'll even tell you what I'm doing in my own personal life. You know, I am uh, continuing to, to give, um, but also uh, stacking up cash for opportunities because um, they will come. Um, you know, preparing the, you know, preparing our way, you know, paying things down and just making sure that we're running lean, running tight, just, and, and, and not because we're afraid because we're going to take the actions that we, that we can and allow us to, and, and I don't want to sound opportunistic, Todd, but, um, you know, I was explaining this to our, or to, to all of our clients about a week ago, which is let's not take our eyes off the prize and, yeah, I think there's tough times ahead. I think there's going to be chaos and all that. But the other thing is that those types of events, uh, economic unravelings, recessions, market crashes, they yield incredible opportunities if you're prepared to take advantage of them. So in, in terms of the, the one thing that I just, it, going back to finance is that if you don't know what risk management is and you don't know how to manage risk or limit loss in a portfolio or whatever. I just think now is the time people need to stare at themselves in the face and go, okay. And again, I, I literally had another conversation about this exact topic yesterday. Um, you know, this fund or this stock has made me so much money and blah, blah, blah. Um, 
we all need to look in the mirror and be honest. Okay. We have just lived through the longest bull market in us history that was fueled and sponsored by printed money. It was artificial. It was fake. Did it mean you couldn't make a lot of money on it? No, absolutely. Right. It's record household wealth. But to think that that isn't transient, to think it can't go away that fast. And I think it's in the process of starting that by the way. Um, but that's just foolish, right? Be honest with yourself. There's an old saying in our business, don't, con- don't confuse brains with a bull market, right? Meaning mm-hmm. when everything's just going up, you just throw money at it and it's great and everybody's making money, but it doesn't know, it doesn't mean you know what you're doing. You know, ask yourself, do I know what to do if my account falls 40%? Can I afford a 40 or 50% drawdown on my account? And I, so in terms of getting back to your original question, what can we can do? Let's start being sober-minded and look yourself in the face and go, do I know how to handle this? Do I know how to navigate it? And guys, truthfully, most of you don't. And that's okay. It's not what, you know, I, I think I'm a fairly intelligent human being. If I have, you know, when I needed my appendix, when my appendix was almost ruptured, I didn't bust out an exacto knife and cut myself open on the kitchen table. Right. You know, it's, and it's not because I'm dumb. I just didn't go to medical school. So I, I, I and, and w- when guys like me say these things, it, I, I understand that there are people out there that write them off as self-serving because you're like, of course, you don't think we could do it on our own. You want our business. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear where you're coming from, but I would just say, um, the, these, we are, we are, we have left the times where you can just throw money at any tech fund or any tech stock and make a lot of money. If you don't know what you're doing, you know how to manage risk, call somebody that does. And if it's not us, call somebody else. Just because I think you're looking at life altering financial moves that most people have no clue how to navigate, you know? And so I, and, and yeah. Well, and, and then I would you know point this out to people that. When, when Zach's saying these things, A, your radio show, you educate, right? And, and you tell people a lot of times, hey, here's what we're doing and here's how we're doing it. And I've seen you like perfectly happy that people can do it on their own. Like, that's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing that, that why I wanted to talk about this topic this morning is the rigging is continuing. This is the finance minister of Canada. Well, look, we'll uh, we'll obviously uh, tailor uh, the provisions so that uh, so that um, uh, it could withstand a, a court challenge. You don't have uh, an absolute right to own private property uh, in Canada. Um, it is uh, there are uh, there are steps that are taken when expropriations happen at, at whatever level of government, and we'll be sure to stay with. Well, look. We'll be sure to stay within those. Uh, so they're talking about now forcing Canadians, which would be new, to report when they sell their houses so they can tax them um, on the capital gains. And the position of the government is, oh, or, or, or we can take your houses because there is no absolute right to own property in Canada. Canadians have woken up this morning where they don't have the right to have the money in their bank account. That can be seized whenever the government is angry at them um, or doesn't like their point of view. And uh, by the way, you don't actually have that right. So that's what I mean. I mean, and that has to figure into risk management, the, the things that the global elites are doing to us or want to do to us. Right. Oh, no, no. 100%. Um, on a side note, when I hear that Todd, I just, I, I think about human beings and how foolish we are and how we repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. Now, how we don't learn it. Listen to that guy talk sort of reminds me of Terminator the movie Terminator, right? Skynet, right? As people, 
a human beings so many times end up building the device that is our demise, right? And, and I hear guys like this talking and I know the attitude. I know the mind frame. They're a bureaucrat. They're part of the system and they're, fa- they're fighting for the well-being of the system until it gets turned on them, right? And that's, I, I look at this and I'm just like the foolishness of these people, right? The fool, well, I mean, if we think about a government and what it was designed to do, especially here in North America, especially here in the United States, it is, a, it is a system set up literally to protect individual rights. Right? I mean, that, that was the whole concept of create a government that, that respects the sanctity of the individual rights. Right. And yet we, and, and, and we as people step in and build the exact, build the apparatus that will be the instrument of our demise. It just, it just is a, it's just astounding to me, but how do we, how do we protect ourselves against it? Um, you know, there is only so much that we can do if government decides they want to single you out and come out. I mean, you know, bottom line, there's only so much you can do. Um, But one of the biggest things that you can do is be a, be a steward of your own assets. Uh, uh, You know, make the wisest investment decisions, know when to take your foot off the gas, know when to save up cash. There's because there's only so much we can do, but this also gets back to, and I think it's interesting. you, You notice that you notice that the Canadian government, is not threatening or talking about the ability to raise your 401k account. Not yet. Right. No, no. But what I'm saying is what, what is, yeah, right. But what is it that they want? They want the real asset, right? Why? Cause they under, they know, you know, it's like the old Jesse James. Why do you rob banks? Well, cause that's where the cash is. Right. So, um, I, and, and, and this goes to, you know, is, is that a perfect setup? No. I mean, look, there's risk in everything. You know, I, I have clients and we've talked about this before, but clients look at me and they go, you know, Zach, should I be putting gold in a safe at home? And I'm like, well, for, and they go for economic collapse and I go, okay, so what do you plan on doing with that gold? Are you going to throw it at people? And they look at me like, what do you mean? They go, we use it to buy things. I'm gonna go, people don't want that. You'd be better off having ammunition, canned goods, food and, and cigarettes. Right. I mean, in terms of bartering, Truly, yeah, you'd so, be the biggest drug dealer yeah. on the planet. If you if you hoarded cigarettes and found a way to store them and keep them fresh, or or better yet, grew tobacco. No, this truly in in the circles in which I run, Zach, the the those circles, there are people in North Idaho trying to figure out how to grow tobacco up here. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, because at that point, you know, if things get to the point where you're reaching for your gold and you're safe, um, hey, if you can make alcohol. And you can make tobacco and you right. know, or you right. know who's going to be rich is the herbalists for real, because yeah. man, I've got yeah. an impacted tooth and it is, I, I, it might become infected and go septic in my body. And you go out to the people we used to make fun of, you know, um, uh, Moonhaven river flow. Hi, Moonhaven river flow. I've got a, a this is going to go septic in me. All right. Well, I've got some, some herbs I can give you. That's going to be, um, I'm going to need 15 cases of alcohol plus all your ammo. I mean, it's, right, right. Right. That's, but that's, that's what, yeah. that's what people are looking at or, or it could be the elites. This thing, it, this drove me nuts. You remember that whole conspiracy theory that some of the elites were, were getting injected with saline when it was supposed to be the MRNA injections. It's just crazy. Yeah, people they, say, you know, they're not really. Yeah, it turns out that's true. 
There were elites <laughs> who got injected with saline solution. Then Zach, they turned around and used their resources and connections to get fake injection passports. And they're getting caught. There's like a hundred of them been caught. And this, I think people need to understand this. Like what else can the elites do that normal people cannot do? <laughs> I mean, in the world of finance, everything. Uh, including, I mean, so, and this gets really, it gets really complicated times. So I'll bake it down as, as, as simply as I can, but just keep in mind, you know, a simple adage that I've followed and it's never really been wrong is complexity is the hallmark of the charlatan, meaning, um, or, 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 or the residue of fraud. It's the residue of, it's, it's the residue of the books being cooked, the right. deck being stacked, right? Oh yeah. It's, well, it's you. It's, it's too complicated to understand. Um, it, the way this works at this moment, I mean, if we get outside the really obvious stuff, like the fed stepping in and, and, and breaking the law, in my opinion, and I, I don't think that it's really much of an opinion, but stepping in and buying corporate bonds and breaking the law, that was a direct, right. Uh, they weren't bailing out Ed and Patsy or Ed and Pat, you know, Smith across the street and their, in their, you know, their corporate bond portfolio, right. They're bailing out the big boys. So, uh, you know, that's obvious, but then you get into the amounts of capital that these people have access to. Um, you know, you got hedge funds out there running extraordinarily low risk, really, really what would look on the surface of it of a boring portfolio, but because they can get access to leverage. And when I'm talking leverage, I'm talking as much as, you know, three, four, five times, right. In, in a stock portfolio. Now, if they want to go after, uh, if they want to, if they want to go after, uh, um, even more, you know, less risky, less volatile stuff, you know, you can get 20, 30 times leverage, right? For, for pennies, for pennies. So, so, you know, I was reading a thing yesterday about how one of these hedge funds was making millions a day on the little tiny interest rate moves in the repo market, which I, it, it's a way that banks lend money to each other essentially, but these little rate moves that nobody would look at and think, okay, that's investable. Well, if you can get virtually free money and you can lever up your portfolio by 30 times, you know, a little fraction of a penny move can make you a lot of money, but you have to have access to the capital at cheap prices. So literally when you, if you, in my opinion, the greatest source of financial inequity and the greatest advantage that the elites get is this unlimited access to artificially cheap capital. And if you want to know what one of the biggest things driving uh, house prices up, if you want to know one of the biggest things that's pushed, in my opinion, the greatest financial stock market bubble of all time, it's cheap money. And who in, in a world and here, it, and, and, and I want people to really grasp this. Whenever you hear people talking about quote unquote, stimulating economy with cheap money, what you should think in your brain is that the winner is the guy with the biggest balance sheet, period. Why? Because he's the guy that can lever up the most and play the game, right? And so that's, you know, like we've talked about before, interest rates or financial gravity, they're supposed to be rules that everybody works against. They're supposed to be barriers. They also, interest rates also protect small business in the sense that what allows a small mom and pop business to compete with a big multinational corporation? right? It's efficiency. Yeah. It's efficiency, right? You, you, in this market, you can be more efficient and nimble. 
but not if that corporation has access to unlimited amounts of capital at, at a cheaper rate than you can get because they can just swap you out with dollars. And if you want to know why corporates, there's, you know, think about the disappearing of mom and pop businesses. The concern, if you had an eight to 9% interest rate, this never would have happened. It never would have happened because that, that interest rate is the margin that small businesses can operate in and keep the big guys out, right? They, they, can, they can take advantage of that space. And um, so the biggest part of it, it's, people think it's going to be more nuanced or it's more you know, under the radar. No, it's just you've got, you've got access to essentially unlimited free capital and the regular guy cannot compete and it is just rigged. So let's pick up on that because there was a conversation on Squawk Box um, and it's about oil production and, and manufacturing production and the ESG score people coming in and saying, hey, if you want a good environment score, we have an idea in terms of how much product you put out and we'd like you to follow that. Uh, I'll play that for Zach as we continue. Zach Abraham, Bulwark Capital Management, get him at knowyourriskradio.com. Here's another thing you can control, and it is to honor the temple, the body, the temple. And I want to be super, super clear because I'm not about to begin to use the word of God to sell things. I, I, I speak this because I truly believe that honoring the temple, that is our bodies in this case, referring to it as the temple, and that we are a mirror image of God, broken mirror, broken mirror, in my case, shattered, not recognizable as a mere shards of mirror of God's image uh, to take care of the body's health. This is truly one of the things we can do. Want to know something that will add up worry plus too much fat on the body. It adds up and it's a vicious cycle because worry produces cortisol. Cortisol causes your body to store fat. Oh, and then the other fun thing is it makes you hungry. So you can get into that vicious cycle at any point in the cycle, such as dropping unwanted fat when you drop unwanted fat, that interrupts that cycle. Now, I learned this when I dropped 150 pounds and kept it off. And I know that's really complex, but there are complexities. For instance, I want to chat with people who tried to drop unwanted fat and you have limited your calories. Okay, you know I'm talking to you, right? You've said, but no, 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 Herman, I've done this. Like I've limited what I ate. I, I ate 500 less calories per day than I burned and I, and I didn't drop fat. Guys, the first thing that has to happen is your body's chemistry needs to be reset. Soda weight loss, SOTA stands for state of the art. And part of the art and the science is what's going to unlock your body's fat storage hormones. What's going to calm them down. That's why they interview everybody. That's why everybody works with nutritionists. That's why the nutritionists are the first people you're going to chat with at soda weight loss. They're going to ask you specific questions about you because they're not talking to Zach or me. They're talking to you. They'll look into your body chemistry in terms of what you eat, how you behave, how often you exercise and, and trigger foods. They're going to construct a plan that's specific to you. They will give you an estimate of how much fat you're going to drop from your body per week. And consequently, how quickly you feel better. It's soda weight loss. S-O-T-A weightloss.com. It stands for state of the art. Zach Abraham is with us. So Zach, this is um, from Squawk Box. I just came across this this morning and they're talking here uh, about the ESG score and, and how does it relate to, to stock performance? How does it compare to P&L? 
And one of the really interesting things here is a guy named uh, Vivek Ramsmoy. I think you know who he is. He, he describes something going on in the ESG score that just reminded me of the conversation we just had about what the elites can do that we can't do. Both sides can cherry pick their data, but certainly in the last year, the data are pretty clear that ESG has really underperformed other sectors like the U.S. energy sector. But I think that the point is more fundamental here. One of my issues is the coordination amongst different firms in the asset management industry. All right, take this group called the Climate Action 100 Plus Network. This is a group that boasts that it represents over 50% of global assets under management, over $60 trillion represented in that group. And they coordinate to tell firms to cut emissions. Part of cutting emissions is cutting productions. Well, the problem is that when you have over 50% market share representing entities get together, decide to coordinate on an action like cutting production, and then prices spike at the pump as a result, we have a word for that in this country. It's called an antitrust violation. And the funny part about this movement, Joe, and not a lot of people talk about this, is how this movement, the ESG movement, applies its standards so selectively in the United States and Western Europe without saying a peep in China. And and the best example of this, I thought, was actually BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard voting in favor of new directors at Exxon. After those new directors took their seats at Exxon, Exxon cut oil production targets by over 20% from their prior forecasts. But the people who are at the front of the line to pick up the projects that Exxon drops are none other than PetroChina. And if you want the cherry on top, you look at who one of the largest shareholders of PetroChina is, it is none other than BlackRock. So a big part of this is a deep-seated conflict of interest in the ESG movement itself. I got to imagine you're stunned to know that ESG outperformed rational math or underperformed rational math, that, that, that it couldn't compete with actual performance. Is it stunning? Oh, man. I, well, I'll tell you a funny story about this. So I had a guy call me with a $6.5 million portfolio, and he'd been listening to our show and wanted us to manage his money. But he wanted to do. He wanted me to do it according to ESG standards because he said he was very passionate about this. Okay. And, and so I so I said to him, now I I won't do that, and the reason I won't do it is because let's stop and think about it, right? So people hire me as a wealth manager and a fiduciary, a steward of their assets. Okay, when we're buying ESG companies, we are not buying investments according to their financial wherewithal or their financial bona fides, if you will, right? We're, we're buying them based on a dreamt up metric. So when you are buying investments for reasons other than, than, than financial wherewithal or financial viability, don't be shocked when the financial results aren't there. And so I said to the guy, I go, yeah, I'll do it if you sign a waiver that you won't hold me responsible for performance. And the guy goes, well, why would I do that? And I go, because you're having me pick investments on things other than financial facts. Okay. And I go, I, I, I can't do that. And I won't do it because I think it'll get you wrecked. And he goes, well, you know, I don't understand that. A six and a half million dollar portfolio, I've got to be big. And I go, yeah, I'd love to have a $6 million portfolio. I'd love to do that. But I can't, I can't do my job for you if you put that layer on it. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is a giant joke. Okay, so if you take the S&P 500, Todd, and you run it through these filters for ESG, about 30 to 40% of the top 15 companies that come out are petrol or fossil fuel companies. So, and, so, and so then what they do is they just set that aside, right? So they go, 
well, ESG, no, 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 put those aside because they're fossil fuel companies. You know I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all a racket. And when, the minute I saw ESG came, come out, you and I talked about this. Me and a couple of my buddies just started dying laughing. And, and one of my analysts looks at me and he goes, what, why do you think this is so funny? And I go, because this is Wall Street's dream come true. And he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, I, I go, buddy, it's ESG. They can charge a higher normal than higher than normal fee, and they can't be held responsible for performance. I mean, I mean that's that, that's every manager's dream. Hey, we're going to pay you twice as much, and we're not going to hold you accountable on the performance side. Yes. If you don't, if you if you don't think that's the way these guys think, I, you don't know them. Meaning. You know, this comes out and me and my buddy start laughing because we see, you know, we know the game. We're sitting there going, boy, this is, and that's why the banks are all backing it. They don't believe in ESG. They know they're just going to loot that bird before the whole thing falls apart. There's, you know? Um, no, I, I get that. And I always like to take things and boil it down to real life. Um, so real life, I've, I've given an example like this on, on other instances, but it's just like this, you know, you decide to purchase a house, but you go through an ESG company. And uh, you know what? I'm very passionate about this. Let's have a, like your guy, you're, you're the guy that you turned away, you know, cause you didn't want to ruin his portfolio and he's going to build himself a, a million dollar custom home. Okay. So million bucks does it through ESG. And uh, he shows up and to see the beginning of the house and it's done. What? Wow. You guys are fast. It's done. And he comes in and it's a, it's like a um, 55,000 square foot yurt. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. that? That's your house. Yeah, that's, that's a that's yeah. a fifty-five thousand square foot yurt. Yeah, but it has a pond inside. It has like it has like three koi ponds. Yeah, where, where am I going to sleep? Anywhere, man. It's fifty-five thousand square feet. You could sleep in the over there in the little rainforest we built. But there's there's and, no and it's ESG approved. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, and it's. But I said house. No, no, you didn't look. No, we get to decide what house is. Yeah. <laughs> right? We get to decide this. There's, there's another thing that plays into this, Zach. I got to have you hear this. Now, did you, you guys are tracking this and, and how do we, can, what do we control on this? How do we, how do we have a modicum of control? Did you see that the figurehead has, number one, invoked the Defense Production Act for solar panels? Okay. Number two. The figurehead was caused by the people who run him to add $500 billion to Ukraine's um, bailout or defense, I guess. There are people being murdered. We should keep that in mind um, for electric cars. So I want to combine these and I want to play this clip. And then after we come back, I want to get your point of view on this. This is an oldie but a goodie. This is a woman who is a GM executive. Uh, her name is Kristen Zimmerman, Z GM executive. She is talking about the Chevy Volt. People might remember this. Zach, wait until the last question because the reporter doesn't get a straight answer from Kristen. She sort of catches herself accidentally telling the truth. There's a guy there from the utilities department. This is just gorgeous. I'm really grateful to be here today. And in fact, this is a chance for me to say thank you more formally. The, the Chevy Volt is upstairs. We'll be able to take a look at it. You. We've got about a thousand photos. Yeah. Is it a plug? <laughs> <laughs> so simple as that. The batteries are in the trunk? No, the battery in this particular design is a T-shape right down the center. 
and across the back seat area. Because everybody thought we killed the electric vehicle. She's smiling. Well, we didn't. It's alive and well. So what's charging the, the batteries right now? What where, where's, What's the source of a... Well, like, here. It's, it's coming from the building. I mean, are, is it... Um, what's our mix of power? Oh, actually, Lansing feeds the building. What's that? Lansing feeds power to the building. So I don't I don't know... They're... Uh, I bet they're a bit of coal. Well, they're heavy on natural gas, aren't they? Right now, the car is charging off of your grid. Right. Well, it would be charging off uh, our grid, which is nine, about 95%. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's sub Zach connect these pieces for us. What can we control um, in the rigged economy? Uh, the figurehead invoking the Defense Production Act to produce solar panels. Let's have Zach talk to us about what goes into the production of solar panels. Let's have it because he studied the energy sector like nobody else. Oh my goodness, we'll continue with Zach Abraham. Lower Capital Management, Know Your Risk Radio. Oh, man, I'm having it. I'm having uh, the bone frog right here in the cup. I think, brother, you're under the frog, right? Yes, sir. That, that's, uh, we, got the, we got the bone frog cake cups for the office. Oh, I love this. And people notice. Uh, people do notice. I, I, I was in California. I call it mid-California because it's not southern, but it's not northern. It's Santa Cruz. And I, had, I brought the frog into my hotel. And I went downstairs to have some breakfast, do some work, um, and I should say brunch because I'm on a 16-8 fast. But uh, I, I brought the bag of bone frog down. I asked the waitress, um, hey, could you bring a French press for this? And she goes, oh, you brought your own coffee. Sure. It's like a fine wine. Why wouldn't I do that? She brings it by and I'm drinking this. And she later asked me about the coffee. Turns out her husband is retired special forces. No way. Yeah. So she loves the God Country team. She's the first person I know who actually recognized the frog, the bone frog, iconic logo of the Navy SEALs. If you don't know, the founder of Bone Frog Coffee is a 25-year Navy veteran and a Navy SEAL. But it's really the coffee that matters. He, he got the, the locker. Tim is nonstop um, in pursuit of excellence. Got Dave Stewart, who started Seattle's Best Coffee or at least was the coffee roaster there, the mentor, legend in the coffee business, to mentor Bone Frog and also to actually create some of the roasts. So, Zach... She comes back to the table, like, um, asking about the coffee. I said, hey, have a seat and have some. She goes, oh, I can't do that. I said, no, no, no. I understand that you're married and I'm married too. And she goes, oh, I didn't get that vibe from you. But I get in real trouble if I, if I tasted. Like, and I said, no, no, no. I'm asking you to taste this. So, you know, she wanted to support the coffee. You know, her husband's retired special forces. When she drank the coffee, I saw this look of relief on her face. You know why? Because she's thinking this might suck. Right? But, <laughs> but she loved it. Right, it's bonefrog.us. Did you did you get the five percent off the subscription plan? Did you go through bonefrog.us? So I got a confession to make, Todd. Yeah, I don't I don't handle those things. I might. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know how relieved I'm hear that, but you see, but here's the thing that I'm not getting the credit for the sale. What are we oh. doing to each other? Okay, so I now I'm gonna have to step in here. <laughs> Now I've got to, now I got to step in. Well, and you're not, and you're, you, you might be paying 5% too much, Mr. Money Manager. I, so, well, I trust my people. They better not be. I, I know that my, all my employees listen to, listen to our show, listen to this one. So I, I bet you my trader right now who, uh, who actually went through and purchased it for us. Uh, I bet his knees are knocking. He's like, ah, oh, 
I didn't get the five percent. The way to do this is uh, bonefrog.us, right? So you're gonna you're gonna follow up. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, well, like I said, we've already, we, 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 you know, we're, we're already customers, but I, I do need to figure out what's going on there and make sure he got my Todd Herman discount, man. Right. And we got to make sure that the Todd Herman show team gets the credit. Otherwise, Zach, how am I going to buy more ammo? Be- that, there you go. There, there you go, man. All right. So we just heard this quote uh, from... <laughs> The, the the GM executive, you laughed when I did too, when she said, oh no, it's it's coming out of the building. Yeah, but what's the power source? Uh, and she does the, well, coal. I mean, no, 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 uh, no, it's natural gas. Uh, but, but we have this, we have the figurehead invoking the Defense Production Act to force people to produce less efficient energy. So talk to us about what actually goes into the production of, of these solar panels. Because last time I checked, they contain a bunch of coal and, and petroleum type products, at least in the creation chain. And I think in, in the solar panels themselves contain coal. Yes. So one of the, and I, and I, I'm not a solar panel expert. Right. Um, so don't quote me, but, but I know that the biggest inputs as far as raw materials go, uh, is certainly oil. Uh, everybody formula, you know, I'm sure other people have their own secret sauce or whatever, you know, different companies doing it different ways, but, but no coal and petroleum are one of the biggest inputs and people go, Oh yeah, but you know, Oh, they're renewable. It, it, it just, it's, it, uh, I go back to the, to the, the gun issue right now in this country. I, it, it, it's so frustrating to me and I don't think it's by accident. A, I think people have always been this way. Um, it's a defect in human beings. Um, but it, everybody is so willing and I don't know if it's the social media effect, but everybody is so willing to be a completely ignorant expert and not think behind the, you know, not think uh, about three dimensional chess, not sit there and ask these questions. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody has a problem with free energy or excuse me, with green energy as a concept, right? I, right. I, I do not, I am not angered by the thought of factories not spewing stuff into the air. Okay. So I, you know, I like, I like puppy dogs and sunshine and, and, and grass fields as much as anybody else. But the question that comes, and this seems to have just vanished from society is what is the cost? Every, every decision adults make should be a cost benefit analysis, right? What is the cost? And what people are starting to feel right now in energy markets and oil prices and things of that nature is you're starting to pay some of the cost of this ideology. And will it really change? Will it really lower pollution or will the disposal, you know, I, I, I laugh thinking about 50 years into the future. If we continue down this path, how much do you want to bet Todd that we end up dealing with a new environmental crisis it has to do with the disposal of batteries and solar panels. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you just, it, it, it just kills you because you sit there and you're, you're looking at it and going, guys, what you can't, nothing you produce, you do without oil. No, but the, right? they're going to do the, Zach, here's what they're going to do. I, I can see this as clear as the wall in front of my face. I can see it as clear as your face. Here's it. Here's what it is. 
Experts say unforeseen residue in the production of solar panels has led to a climate catastrophe. We reached out to Exxon's chief green energy officer. Well, we have examined this, and, and fortunately, we've been working on a reformulated petrol, a reformulated oil product we call New Gas. Um, new gas is, is much friendly for the In fact, new gas is better for the environment than, than uh, ethanol, even believe it. Even better for the environment than ethanol. So we're, we're going to be producing new gas. Uh, this is a costly, a costly process, but the world, the world can't wait. We may have to have government regulate, and they're going to come back and they're going to take gas and add like a, a, a dye to it. So it's, yeah. it's like bright green. Uh, well, I guess it is. No, it's not bright green. It's bright green and they'll put sparkles in it. So when it comes out of the tailpipe of your car, the new car you're going to have to purchase, but only to run new gas, it fills up the sky with, with, with glitter particles. So the, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a, yeah, it's like a unicorn burp, right? Like it's, oh, look, those aren't emissions. No. Those are happy sparkles. And then behind the scenes, it'll be a costly new process. All of a sudden, they'll be the only one selling gasoline with a 65% margin. Nancy Pelosi and her husband will buy stock options on the company, make a pile. Yeah, all the hedge funds will jump in on the trade, and then we'll find out that the sparkles are actually three times more damaging than the carbon emissions in the first place. And the, hey, and then launch the next one. You know, and and why? And that's the thing is, you look at all this lunacy, cheap money. If you pull the veil back just one inch and look behind it, you go, you know what all of these, all of these ruses and all this nonsense has in common that the people in the know are able to profit wildly off it. Right. right? Um, and it's just like, ah, it, it really, it, it, Luke, what's that? No, I started, I, I read the first part of Luke 12, 25 through 31. Uh, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Um, this is 27 through 30. And this applies here, Zach, to the theme of the program. What can we do, right? Short of having your own oil production facility or, you know, like we're getting our house converted to a natural gas generator because it's going to be hard for the party to control our natural gas here because it's actually really, really local. Yeah, so the Bible reads this, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father in heaven knows uh, what you, that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So people will read that to say, oh, well, so then how come there's, there's poor people? Well, because we are called to care for them. And because God plays the longest game of all, game of eternity, and we will sit in front of the judgment throne and we can say, hey, we followed all your commandments. We didn't worry. We didn't spin. Like it said, like Luke told us, the apostle Luke, and the Lord could say, so by the way, what'd you do with them? Did you ever tithe? Did, did, yeah, you, did you yeah. ever give charitably to people who were hungry? Because um, I purposely, by my design, had people hungry before you. You had all sorts of opportunities to feed them. Did you do that? N well, uh, um, once I gave a guy a sandwich, but that, right, but but I was those people. Yeah, I yeah. was those people. Yep. So we can control that. Now I know that kind of brings the discussion down a little bit, but Zach, I've got some great news. 
That's some great news for your family. You've been very open about the fact that you have a, a biracial family and an absolutely beautiful, beautiful family. And I just want to be the first to tell you this, um, Zach, that the figurehead, he's committed to doing something for you and your family. So I can see, do you need a minute by yourself? You look like you're cheering up. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I, well, I, I don't call him a figurehead. I call him dear leader. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to wait to benefit from his benevolence. All right, I'll tell you about it in a second here. It's so important that you understand what the figurehead is doing for you. I'm pumped. Good. So truly, this is one thing you absolutely can do and, and, and you really must do, which is control your expenses. All right. This, because stuff is adding up so quickly. I mean, listen to the conversation we're having today. The price of groceries are going up. Vacations are going up, not to mention um, the, the energy to get there. Right. And, and right now, something you can do if, and Zach was just talking about this, that, you know, the sugar high economy, et cetera. Uh, if you're a homeowner, it's it's pretty likely that your equity is up is equities up twenty percent since last year. However, in Canada, they've discovered now that citizens don't have a right to own property. This might be a time to see what you can do to lower your costs. And I have the perfect way to do that. That's get with a family-owned national mortgage bank. That almost sounds oxymoronic. A family-owned national mortgage bank, yeah, for twenty years, these folks make decisions around the the the, the kitchen table that allows them to look at people as individuals. Yeah, they're gonna pull a credit score, wouldn't you? But they're also gonna to talk to you about your individuals. Hey, I see your earnings go up and down. Yeah, I'm a commercial fisherman or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a commissioned salesperson. Sure, they go up and down. Oh, okay, got it, All right? So they'll look at the entire financial picture. And here's the deal. They're saving people up to a thousand bucks a month on a refinance. That, that's enormous. I mean, you turn that around and you invest a thousand bucks a month for, for, for 20 years, uh, you'll be the guy calling around with a $6 million portfolio, but not stupid enough to want to do the ESG score. These guys make decisions quickly and they're durable decisions. They can close a refinance in as little as 10 days, which is pretty phenomenal. And they look at everybody as an individual. Love that part. They do not charge upfront fees, not a cent. It's American Financing at AmericanFinancing.net. Easier, quicker to call them, 866-887-2275. That's 866-887-2275. NMLS 182-334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Um, Zach, I see you brought your family in here uh, to the studio and you put us on speaker. Uh, guys, you're going to remember where you were. Hi, kids are beautiful. Uh, is that that's a teddy bear? Uh, so I know you guys are going to, you know, enjoy this together as a family. Um, here it is, Zach. The uh, the figurehead was on Jimmy Kimmel. Man, he's going to change some things. Listen closer. No, I'm serious. You turn on the TV, look at the ads. When's the last time you saw biracial couples on TV? When's the last time you saw the way, I mean, people are selling products. They do ads to sell products. And they sell products when people, they appeal to people. This generation is going to change everything. We just got to make sure we don't give up. He's, yeah, he's going to have families like yours in ads, Zach. There's going to be biracial couples in ads. Think of how this is going to change the world for you guys. Oh, man, I made your little one cry. I'm sorry, honey. It's... I, you know, here, I don't want to accuse... I don't, I, you need to process it. It's okay, man. 
the, the, I don't, I'm, you know what? I'm speechless and that, and that, that says something for me. I, the, the condescension, the, the, the soft racism in statements like that, it just, it just blows me away. And then I have literally had these people knowing nothing about me, you know, call me a racist. And I'm sitting there looking at them going, do you even know a black person? Just one. <laughs> give, give me, give me a name. Uh, give me a Chris picture Lott. with you Chris and a black Lott, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you were hanging out with Chris a lot, right? Uh, no, I just, it's so condescending and you sit there and go, you look at him and go, you know who the real racists are? The real racists are you because it's all you see. Right. Uh, I mean, I just, it's just, <laughs> I was so anxious to play then, with you this morning. By the way, just everybody know his kids aren't really there. That was theater of the mind. I would never do that. <laughs> I, but, but, and then who's he talking to, right? He's talking to Jimmy Kimmel. There's two extraordinarily wealthy white people on the, you know, on the stage there. It's filled with a bunch of like white, you know, white wealthy people in California or Burbank or wherever they, wherever they actually film the show. And they're all applauding each other for, oh, we're open my It's just, it's just pandering and it's complete nonsense. I, uh. Okay. Wait. <laughs> Let me give you a palate cleanser as, as uh, we'll wrap this up and, and get some closing thoughts. I do have a, a question. A listener sent me a note and asked if you would give, and I'll let you think about this. If you would show one lesson, one thing um, to teach teenagers about finance, one lesson, one quick lesson to teach teenagers about finance. She doesn't get to see her grandkids a lot. So, um, and, and um, her name is Crispin, which is a female name I've never seen before. Maybe that's the email address, but no, I think it's Crispin. K-R-Y-S-P-Y and Crispin. That's a cool name. Um, she doesn't get to see her grandkids enough. Would you ask Zach how a grandma who doesn't get to see her, her grandkids enough can teach a quick lesson on finances my son is not particularly responsible with money. I would like to stop that with his kids and have them understand it. God bless you for your work. Uh, please ask Zach the question. So I'll let you think about that. This is a this is Jimmy Kimmel. And if you'll notice, he actually makes fun of Biden at the end of this clip. But Biden here is talking, Zach, about his accomplishments. And this is so sad. It's in the show notes, guys. You can click the link and watch it for yourself. Kimmel knows he's talking to someone who's cognitively declined. He knows he's talking to someone who's mentally fragile. He speaks slowly. He leans in. He even helps Biden with his answer. No so, question about it. So there's a it. lot of major things we've done. But what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, uh, um, let me say it another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Yeah, well, we haven't been able to communicate but it. But look how way. the press has changed. Mm-hmm. Look how the press has changed. It has changed. Oh, listen, it, I, I get it. I know you, get, you overstand it. Yeah. You don't just understand it, you overstand it. <laughs> but here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a, um, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on, on, the, on nightly news. Mm-hmm. So instead of asking a question, anyway, it just, everything gets, gets sensationalized in ways that, but I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through it. And one of the things, look, I'm going to take a break and then we'll talk a little bit more. I don't, if you don't mind. You. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have some of those commercials. I, 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 I we have some biracial commercials. We need to <laughs> That's actually a funny line. That's actually a great line uh, of Kimmel's. But do you see him trying to help the figurehead? 
like finishing his sentences yeah. for him. Yeah. You, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it reminds me, I mean, it just, yeah, it reminds you of these tin pot dictators, right? That it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's akin to Mao Zedong or was it? No, not Mao Zedong. It was Kim Jong, Kim, Kim Jong Un or Kim Jong Il who played golf for the first time and shot a 38, had four holes in one. <laughs> right. This is, uh, I mean, it's obviously not to that level, but I mean, it's, it's right along, you know, it's right along that same narrative line. It's just ridiculous. So the, the question from Crispin, as we close this out with uh, Zach, she doesn't get to see her grandkids a lot, but she's looking for a quick lesson on finances, something that you could maybe uh, show her in that or, or talk to her about on that. As it relates strictly to finance. Um, so keep this comment in the context that it's meant, meaning I don't think ego or sense of self-worth should be put into anything financial, right? But one of the lessons and one of the things I talk to my kids about is if you want to be ego, if you want to have some ego about your accomplishments, have ego about the money you have in the bank, not the car you drive and the clothes on your back and live below your means. I deal with, you know, the millionaire next door every single day. That is our wheelhouse. That is our average client. And every single one of them got the same, got there the same way. Their ego was was buried in their business and the work they did and their family. They had no need to advertise or constantly put on display whatever level of success they had. It's not about like Dave Ramsey says, who I really, you're buying things you can't afford to impress people you don't even like. Right. And that is the biggest thing. Separate your ego and your sense of self-worth and self-being from the things you own, um, own your assets. Do not let them own you. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, and I was, I wrote back to her and said, just call your son a loser. Like, call him who? Uh, her son, who's not good with money. Just call him a loser. <laughs> <laughs> that may, maybe that's not good advice. Maybe no, I'm kidding. I didn't really do that. No, no, it's a, my suggestion. It's, was this. It's my suggestion was this. I, 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 I wrote back this morning and said, um, invest for them, right? Give them, get some, get some of your money and say, this is what I have done for you. My grandpa did this and I was an idiot, idiot, idiot is he bought, um, full or whole life insurance for me when I was like 12, that, because that was the safe investment. I'm not saying it's a smart investment, but in my grandpa's eyes, depression era guy, man, that's solid. Um, then he created a savings account and he put money in it every month. And by the time I was 20, I, I drained all of them, just drained them. Yeah, I, right. And my sister, on the other hand, it's like, how'd you buy that cabin when she was in her thirties? Oh, grandpa's money. Oh, right. So there's also the strength of the parable. And, you know, my, my sister's always been more economically conservative for me. Like I am the risk taker in the family. Uh, and here I am. Uh, hey, what you're leaving commercial radio. Yeah. But, you know, God has taken care of us so much. He's given me partnerships with, with my brother, Zach. He's given us partnerships with Bonefrog. Most importantly, he's introduced us to this audience. It's just been so stellar. You know, you and I in that way, Zach, are very similar, that God has just blessed us beyond belief. And uh, I, I, I just hope that blessing continues. And I just pray a blessing upon your audience at Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I just, I, I pray a blessing of peace 
that surpasses all understanding, the peace that can only come from God Almighty <clears throat> among the people listening to us now, because the biggest thing that we can control, I think, is being on our knees and remembering only God yep. is in control. Maybe that's the maybe that's how we unlock this all. You think? Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I I was I was at my Bible study this morning. I've got a men's group that gets together, and uh, they, this topic came up, and they asked me, and I just said, uh, I've been so blessed. You, you know, you look at life. We we accomplish things as human beings, and so often we want to raise our hands in the air and say, "Look at me, look what I did." And yet, if you're being honest with yourself, you look back and. There's no way I wouldn't be here without the divine intervention and blessing and intervention along the way and guidance and, you know, what, what, what non-believers might call serendipity, um, you know, and, and so, yes, I, I couldn't echo what you said more, just thankfulness and humbleness, because I know it doesn't come from me. Um, it's just gifts and blessings. And, and with that, we're supposed to take care of other people, you know? Right. That's exactly right. We get the opportunity to do that as God allows us to steward. Well, my brother, it's always great. So great to talk to you. Zach Abraham, knowyourriskradio.com, uh, Bulwark Capital Management, CIO, and uh, good good friends to the show. Wouldn't be where we are at without them. We appreciate you. God love your family. And we'll talk to you next week. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be mindful that the Lord God is in control. He's on the throne. Thank him for being on the throne.